Perverted, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Afro Verdict podcast with your host Victor Anakin. Standard Bank in South Africa released a report where it analyzed the popularity of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement amongst African entrepreneurs. One of the results of the study was that less than half of the polled entrepreneurs knew of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Now, why would such a renowned initiative designed to unite the African market all of a sudden go unnoticed? To help me digest this issue, I'm joined by Elias Monage, President of the Black Business Council of South Africa, George Sebolela, founder of the South African United Business Council, as well as Dele Adekunle, an author, researcher and essayist affiliated with the University of Guelph and Toronto Metropolitan University. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on Afro Verdict. Let's start with the AFCFTA. Why is this initiative lucrative for African countries in terms of economic development? Mr. Monage, please, sir, the floor is yours. I, I, I think one of the things that um, as a continent uh, we need then to take into account is that we have 54 countries. All those uh, countries, they have a uh, different uh, trade regime or regimes in terms of uh, in terms of tariffs, in terms of custom unions, in terms of movement of goods and services, and um, in terms of protocols, in terms of multilateral agreements that uh, they've concluded with various countries um, across the globe. Now, the... The Africa Free Continental Agreement, it basically then harmonizes uh, a trade um, environment within the continent. That's the first thing. And part of that harmonization of uh, uh, trade regime is to have one set of uh, uh, tariffs uh, so that if you move a product from Ghana to Burkina uh, Faso to South Africa to wherever, we are on the same level and platform in terms of the, the, the tariff uh, classification and even protocols. That's one of the opportunities that um, uh, the, the Africa Free Continental Agreement is offering African countries in the main in terms of trade. The second part is around uh, protocols because um, uh, each and every region in the continent, they had their own different um, uh, protocols. For example, in SADC, um, our protocol is different from um, East Africa and West Africa and North. And now part of uh, the Africa Free Continental Agreement, it also then harmonized protocols within uh, the continent so that um, region A and region B and C and D, we can then trade on the same terms and conditions. So those are the benefits in terms of um, the 54 countries coming together on a free trade um, agreement. The third part is the movement of people because uh, if, again, we then have a free trade agreement, we need then to have a, a regime where people they can then move freely from A to B and C on the basis of the investment that are done within the continent. The fourth part, um, the benefits on the free continental agreement is that even when we trade with uh, any country outside the continent, it then becomes beneficial to the continent because um, we are no longer like um, um, a continent that is begging for favors from anyone uh, because 
the terms for trade is then properly being defined and configured in terms of the Africa Free Continental Agreement so that uh, the benefits then uh, flow from one country to the continent. So those are some of the benefits that um, uh, the Free Continental Agreement offers an opportunity for the continent uh, to do things uh, jointly, collectively, and also then to bargain for various things uh, with various investors globally. So that if, for example, you want them to bring a cable manufacturer as a continent, we can basically then bargain on the basis that we have a copper in the continent and therefore it would much easier and better for a cable manufacturer then to be located in a, sp- a particular place so that the movement of uh, transporting copper to somewhere else it then becomes uh, very limited uh, so that uh, the continent uh, will then see beneficiation of uh, those commodities. So those are some of the benefits in terms of the free um, uh, Africa continental agreement. Mr. Sebelela, what about you? Look, uh, and thank you for for the invite and uh, gathering uh, information from me about this uh, important program. The Firstly, there is close to about 54 countries, African Union states, that have made a commitment and signed up for this program or this agreement. And this is obviously uh, a transcend of making, you know, Africa to become the largest economy uh in the among the emerging markets which is really a very important phase so the opportunities are very significant for the african for the african market uh, african businesses uh, to trade among themselves and there's a bigger also opportunity for the international market you know, to start diversifying by exploring the opportunity that exists in in Africa. I mean, let's take one typical example. As we see today, the combined population of this uh, member state in the African Union is sitting now at 1.2 billion, with a GDP of more than 3.4 3.4 trillion USD. Now, that gives you the opportunity, the large opportunities that exist in, in the African continent. And that, obviously, that size of a GDP already amounts to about 3% of the world trade, which is quite really huge. But remember, there's an agenda 2063 that is coming. So, we, we in fact there's a, there's a first 2030 and 2063 so you can imagine that uh, the project indeed unite the group of countries in africa uh, individuals and the economies under a very big single market with freedom of movement of goods uh, services capital and the people so so yeah it presents itself as a 
as the, one of the largest uh, really opportunity that exists uh, in this particular instance. Professor Dukunle, what's your take on this, sir? I'm glad that you have me here today. You know, the thing about African Continental Free Trade Agreement is that, you know, it's good for all and sundry, but the implementation has to be done appropriately. So African states and the people, the citizens, will benefit a lot if it is done appropriately. For example, it will lead to harmonization of processes and procedures. Because when processes and procedures are harmonized, it leads to a situation where trade is facilitated. And once you have trade facilitation, as a result of harmonization of processes and procedures, it will lead to economic growth. And that will be good for everybody. And then that will also increase the volume of trade. And once there is an increase in the volume of trade, it will lead to economic development. It will lead to increase in GDP. And then there will be employment. When I say employment, it's not disguised unemployment or, you know, underemployment. So it's a situation where people will be appropriately compensated for what they do. And there will also be transfer of knowledge. You know, knowledge transfer from the bigger countries like South Africa, Nigeria, to the smaller countries like Benin Republic, Lesotho, Swaziland. Exchange of ideas, you know, will be easy with African Continental Free Trade Agreement. If a free trade area, the African Continental Free Trade Area, if it is done appropriately. So there's a lot of benefits, but there are challenges. And, you know, the only question that I have is that, you know, are the African countries ready, the political leaders, uh, do they have the political will and the knowledge, you know, and the commitment to make it work? Thank you very much. According to Africa Trade Barometer from Standard Bank, more than 50% of polled entrepreneurs said that they are not aware of the AFCFTA. What are your interpretations of these statistics? Mr. Sabalela, let's start with you, sir. I'm, I'm really very, very shocked uh, with these results that you have presented because in my understanding, uh, I have always thought a lot of work has been done uh, in in uh, uh, in in really putting this uh, uh, in in really putting forward uh, uh, the program of F- AFTFTA and what it stands for and a number of events. So I, I'm just saying that there has been a lot of work that I thought was done uh, on the uh, AF. Uh, AFCFTA by uh, Wam Kelemen, the Secretary General. And there's been a number of activities. I, I'm, I'm really, I, I would really like to read that uh, survey and what was the sample of the survey and uh, in which particular area, that, where does it come from? On the, I mean, on a segment basis, it, it will be very important just to understand the results of that survey because uh, one sentence to say, People are not. I mean, it obviously must be backed up uh, by sample. And I'm not uh, really questioning the credibility, but uh, we have seen it uh, everywhere we have been. We have seen the activities of the the AFC, FTA all around, you know. So, uh, and, and, and that doesn't mean a good work has already been completed. But yes, there's still more to be done, but there's already a lot of work that is 
also been completed. Uh, thank you very much. You know, the thing about entrepreneurs, you know, before we can answer that question, we need to like break it down. What are the attributes of entrepreneurs? You know, entrepreneurs are people who want to like take risk, not just, they are not gamblers. They want to take calculated risk. And then they want to be innovative. They want to bring up new ideas. And one thing about entrepreneurs, they don't necessarily operate where you have equilibrium. Because when you have equilibrium, it's zero profit. You know, entrepreneurs create this equilibrium. So what we can have in the market is equilibrating tendencies. So entrepreneurs we be interested in something that is useful to them. Because one of the people that will get information first should be entrepreneurs because they look for and they see opportunities where others cannot see opportunities. In fact, it's based on error correction model. And as we all know, that knowledge itself is tacit. You know without knowing that you know. So the problem, why if entrepreneurs don't know about it, my impression is that maybe they don't understand the usefulness. Because if they understand the usefulness, they will be the first set of people to even have access to, because based on the attributes of entrepreneurs, they see information, you know, so that they can arbitrage. So, but if they cannot see it, I think something is wrong with the structure and the implementation of the African continental uh, free trade area. So apparently the secretariat needs to do more. If the entrepreneurs who are supposed to benefit from trade don't even know what is going on. And another problem is that there's a lot of technicalities involved. And that was what led to Brexit because most people do not understand trade. It's too technical for them. So, and then people were able to convince them that, okay, maybe we should pull out, which is not necessarily the best case scenario. In this case, the Secretariat needs to do more in terms of information dissemination, in terms of the structure of these, uh, of these, uh, of these uh, development, so that people will understand what they stand to benefit from. The key point is that I don't think the entrepreneurs have the impression that this is good for them. Because if they know it's good for them, they'll be the first person to even be pushing it, pushing the idea. Thank you. Mr. Monagi, would you mind sharing your opinion with us? I, I guess um, one will say it, it depends which um, entrepreneurs that uh, the Standard Bank Barometer is referring to. But from where I'm sitting, I represent uh, black uh, business organizations um, in the country. And uh, most, uh, if not all our members and companies and associations, they are aware of the benefits of the Africa Free Continental Agreement uh, to the extent that um, entrepreneurs uh, in the country and even in the neighboring countries, they are aware that uh, there is the Africa Free Continental Agreement. And therefore, it then means uh, they are seeing a huge benefit to the extent that uh, we even ran workshops and seminars uh, on the uh, benefits of Africa Free Continental Agreement, and they are seeing a benefit uh, to the extent that there were even various um, uh, visits to various countries in the continent uh, to look at uh, opportunities and exploring various uh, um, uh, things, investments that can be done between uh, various countries.
projects in the continent. What about your organization? How engaged is it in promoting the AFCFTA? Yeah, we, we, we have promoted uh, and we continue promoting the Africa Free Continental Agreement um, within the country and even with our sister organizations within the continent and equally so. We also then have uh, a concrete uh, process with uh, the Department of Trade and Industry and Competition as a government entity that um, supports trade uh, within the country and outside the country to basically then look at uh, that awareness and seminars and workshops uh, that um, we continue uh, communicating and engaging um, individuals within the country, including entrepreneurs within the continent. Let's try and discuss the factors that you gentlemen think would have an impact on the awareness of the AFCFTA. Mr. Sebolelo, please. As I say, I don't have factors because I'm not sure what the outcome of the results. So I cannot really confirm to say there were factors that affected uh, AFCFTA. Remember, this is a a new program. Uh, And and I'm not by any chance thinking that uh, for the vast country, as you see Africa to be that huge, you would have uh, already done so much work that you have covered every citizen, every company, every individual. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Hence, is the 2030 program, you know, that uh, 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 we still to work on. Mr. Adekunle, could you speak to this? Yeah, based on talking to people in Africa, my own personal research and experiences traveling along the borders, you know, even in terms of the political, the former bloc like ECOWAS, SADC, East African community, I think there is challenges with respect to political will. You know, the political will, the leaders, what are they really doing? Is it about just coming up with fancy terms? You know, and this thing should be bottom up. You cannot do a policy of this magnitude and then make it top down. The people that will do it, we have to be involved. So there is a little bit of lack of participation error. Because if you want to do anything that is strategic, that is for the future, you have to involve the people that will implement the plan. When it comes to trade, the people that will implement it are the entrepreneurs. They have to be involved. I've been issue from the beginning. Otherwise, they will say, it's your idea, it's your policy. So there is a need to work on you know, participation so that we will not have lack of participation error and to also work on the substance. What are the elements? What is the, over, what, what is the overarching you know, um, benefit of, of, of the African continental free trade agreement? So I think what is affecting is, is the political will, the technicalities, and publication. Because one of the things that will enhance trade is for customs and people in charge of the free trade area to publish the structure and the expectations or the standards of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Publication will act in terms of the the perception of people and entrepreneurs about about the free trade area. Mr. Monage, and what is your opinion? I guess it might be the question of connectivity if one were to just to think aloud. It might be the question of connectivity. It might be access to ICT, it might be access to flow information outside uh, the 
um, the major cities uh, to the rural areas and townships. That might be one of the um, the hindrances for a lack of communication in those places. Now, all of these factors and problems that you listed, what about solutions? Yes, yeah, so solutions. No, no, because we cannot. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Edoken. Because most of the time we criticize ideas, we criticize government, but we don't prefer solutions. And this is very good. We need to like prefer solutions. One of the things, and like I mentioned earlier, is that the stakeholders should be involved. It should not be like top down. It should be bottom up. So people who are going to implement this, uh, this, uh, this, the, the, the three trade area should be involved. Even though they invite them to meetings, conferences, workshops, but those workshops are not necessarily where people plan. You know, the people that will implement the strategies, the, impl- the people that will implement the free trade area should be involved. I've been issue from the beginning uh, so that it will be accepted. People will accept it. People will commit to it and people will implement it appropriately so that implementation of this strategy will not fail. So there is a need for a stronger and better involvement of the stakeholders, including entrepreneurs and policymakers. And another thing that will solve it is social media. People may think that maybe social media is, is trivial. No, it's not. Especially, you can use people like celebrities, you know, influencers to like post things and educate people about, and most of the time, you see a celebrity in a particular country in Africa that is known in other African countries. So using that platform is a way of spreading the information. And then they can use different platforms. They can use their YouTube channel, use their Instagram. In fact, Instagram is very powerful. You know, So they can use all these different platforms to disseminate information in such a way that is not technical. So, so that people, you know, it's like mass the use of media to to promote knowledge. So two things, involvement of stakeholders and the use of social media to, you know, uh, change perception or educate people about the benefits of the free trade area. So it basically then means we need them to look at uh, targeted uh, sessions on, on national televisions. We need them to look at a targeted uh, projects um, we need them to look at targeted uh, outreach programs where we basically then make it an effort and go to uh, the rural areas uh, to the to the breadth and, and 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 length of the country in explaining what are the benefits for this thing. And I'm saying those are some of the things that can be done: the face-to-face uh, interaction, utilizing other um, mechanisms and instruments for communication. Do you think there would be certain actors that could benefit from this lack of awareness about the AFCFTA on the African continent? Mr. Sabulela, let's start with you again. Well, well, let me not say there's a lack, but if you say, what is it that can assist to accelerate uh, its implementation and popularity, I can simply answer that question easily. the first is to say countries must also take an ownership of AFCFTA. It is not a program to be driven by one particular country. It is not a program that should be driven by the Secretariat alone. 
It is a program for Africans and African countries and African companies to come to the fore. The implementation must be led by business to become a key uh, implementer of the of the program. That that's how I see I see the success of the FCFT. And remember, there's an inter inter trade intra trade of uh, uh, African businesses and African companies. Yes, those that are going to participate in the program, they're obviously going to benefit. But those that are watching would not benefit. That's as simple as that. It's about people becoming productive and utilizing the, this platform in order to unlock their own opportunities. I think that's very key. And, and knowledge and understanding what it stands for, what it can do, what are the benefits on the agreement, then they should utilize it. Then they're going to benefit. Because people don't just benefit even in a, in a normal scenario. You only benefit when you make yourself a participant. That's how it works. Thanks a lot, sir. Mr. Monage? Yeah, I, th- I think one of the things that we need then to be aware is the problem that um, I guess as a country in the continent we're faced with on the energy crisis because it might happen that um, in certain areas when there was load shedding or blackouts on the electricity side, people, they don't have connectivity and as a result, they might then lose out. Um in terms of following through what happened in a particular area. That's one thing. The second thing, uh, it might also then mean uh, the access to data because when the systems are not um, operational, uh, for example, when there's a, a blackout or, or, or load shedding, it then affects um, uh, even data and therefore um, connectivity then becomes a huge problem. And these are some of the issues that um, might then be a contributory factor uh, to lack of awareness in those areas. Mr. Adekunle, and what's your opinion? Uh, yeah, so that's, that question is a little bit um, difficult to answer because the it's difficult to analyze a situation that is not even there. So it's difficult to say that these people will benefit from lack of awareness. So if it is like lack of the implementation or but lack of awareness is difficult to judge based on my own um, impression because if you say, okay, who are the people that will benefit from the lack of awareness? So if it is about the lack of implementation of the program, then we can say that some people will benefit if the African uh, Continental Free Trade Agreement because some people will continue to have bilateral agreements with individual with countries instead of because when they come together, when all these African countries come together to negotiate as a block, they have a better bargaining power. But when it's like individual African country, because of one mineral resources or the other, and then they don't have the they can't benefit. So if in terms of the implementation, or if this awareness will affect the implementation, then some people will, will benefit from the lack of awareness that will now translate to lack of implementation. And if there is no implementation, then um, you know the global players will continue to negotiate with individual countries who are not even like uh, powerful enough to negotiate good terms. You know, in terms of, like, for example, you have a case where people will complain that maybe the West or even China, 
that the contracts signed by countries are not transparent enough. But when you have a situation whereby you have a block, I think African countries will have experts who can negotiate for the entire block instead of individual countries who don't necessarily have the capacity to negotiate. But I don't necessarily think that lack of awareness will benefit anybody other than the fact that the lack of awareness may lead to the lack of implementation and the lack of implementation may lead to a situation whereby some people will have upper hand, you know, we have unbalanced trade between Africa and developed countries or countries that, you know, have a better bargaining power as compared to African countries. For those of you that have just tuned in, this is your host, Victor Anakin, and you're listening to AfroVerdict brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Now that we've analyzed how to make sure every business company and entrepreneur can get informed about the AFCFTA, let's see how the selection of currency, whether it is the CFR franc, this USD, or the proposed BRICS currency can impact trade within Africa. African countries, Kenya in particular, have stated that internal trade is negatively affected by the shortage of U.S. dollars. What alternatives are there to using the dollar in trade? Mr. Monage, let's start with you, sir. I, I guess we, we need to look at this thing um, within a particular context. Firstly, um, African countries, they... They trade with everybody. When I'm saying everybody, the West, the uh, the East, um, and um, even the Arab uh, countries. Now, one of the things that um, uh, trade have affected the continent, particularly with uh, the Russian situation, because uh, we don't have a, a platform in terms of the payment system and the settlements of uh, debts. Uh, because um, historically, um, the trade uh, mechanism was used on a dollar basis. And now, with uh, the sanctions imposed against Russia, it then makes it difficult for African countries then to, to trade with um, Russia because of uh, a lack of a platform in terms of the payment system. That's one thing. Secondly, even when you look at uh, the West, uh, because some of the... Um, the things in in the continent live in the country. For example, you look at uh, agriculture in the agricultural uh, sectors. Even though they were uh, trading with Russia, but it was not direct. They will then um, uh, trade with Russia via agencies that are somewhere in the West, and that includes the logistics. And therefore, the payment system was then done or effected in dollar terms. And then they then get whatever that is due to them and then transfer the rest uh, to the Russians or vice versa. If there's any payment from Russia to us, it's then uh, via uh, the agencies and they take uh, their margins and then um, transfer the rest. And now with the sanctions, um, that's one of the areas that have affected and impacted uh, severely on the decline of trade uh, between Russia and the continent uh, because of um, those reasons that I've mentioned. The third part, um, you then look at um, some of the things in the continent. For example, um, you look at uh, um, um, wines that um, we compete with um, uh, France 
And in the agricultural space, we then compete with uh, Brazil on certain things. And also in America, there are certain things that um, they impose the tariff, for example, on steel, on on meat, and all those issues. It then impacts uh, severely on the on the trade uh, differences between the continent and, and 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 various countries outside the continent. Those those are some of the contributing factors. And if you were to propose a solution, what would that be? So, one of the solutions uh, for us will then to look at um, either a BRICS payment uh, system, uh, in which case. Um, we, we don't use the dollar to settle uh, debts and trade. We basically either use our um, currencies, our respective currencies uh, for trade. And then secondly, we might then use maybe the, the Chinese uh, platform, which is called the pay union. So it then becomes a, a combination of debt and um, settlements in our own currencies. It then becomes much better and easier. Well, uh, fortunately, the, the discussion that has taken place in during our BRICS uh, summit is uh, an evaluation which already that mandate was given to various uh, working group in the financial uh, services working group to go and evaluate the possibility of uh, uh, bringing uh, the BRICS uh, currency. That was going to be a big alternative for, for the dollar. Um, until that happens, I think uh, we, we, we might just wait and see. But I think at this present moment, I don't know what is the implication of uh, Kenya not having a dollar and what uh, what uh, actually transpired. But uh, it is true. If there's no access of dollar at this stage in the in the uh, in the in the market, then it becomes a difficulty. So it's unfortunate. Mustadikunya, what can you say about this? Yes, when it comes to alternatives, number one, we, we cannot talk about alternatives when African countries have not strengthened their they have not strengthened their macroeconomic variables. African countries need to strengthen their macroeconomic variables. That's number one. Then they can now negotiate. For example, if they have taken a loan from a particular country. They can negotiate for a currency swap. A currency swap, swap in the sense that, like for example, you mentioned Kenya, assuming maybe Kenya took a loan from India, so they can decide to pay back to India in, in Kenya shillings. And China did that, you know, with many African countries, including Nigeria. They have a currency swap agreement. I think it's going to expire in a few years' time so that Okay, if you take a loan from us, you can pay back, you know, you can pay the principal and the interest back in your own currency. And again, that is in terms of currency swap. You can also transact. You can transact in your local currency, but that would need a concerted effort that countries have to come together and the willingness to accept each other's currencies. Because it's one thing to just go to workshops, go to meetings and talk. It's another thing for, for leaders and African leaders to agree to accept, like for example, you know, uh, South Africa should be able to accept RAN from Kenya, uh, accept Kenya shillings from Kenya if Kenya decides to buy products from South Africa. So that's another way. So there is a way that countries can come together to, so there are alternatives, but that was why I said trust. 
will only be based on stability in the macroeconomic variable. You will not want to exchange currency with a country that the, the, the currency is highly volatile. So, so countries can do that within Africa. And even when they negotiate with people outside uh, Africa, even if a foreign country would take their currency, nobody wants to take a currency that would depreciate by 20 or 30% within two years or within a year because of certain policies. So, and that was why I said these African countries, including Kenya, they need to first address macroeconomic stability. You know, look at the macroeconomic variables and look at the volatility in their currencies. Then they can now start talking about currency swap and then transaction with other countries in their local currency. I think those are the alternatives I can think of. And what's your take on the proposed BRICS currency that is being discussed nowadays? Yeah, so <clears throat> that is really important because there's a need for competition. So when you have a situation that we have petrodollar, there's a lot of monopoly power going on. And when there's monopoly power, it, it is not necessarily desirable. So competition is good because when you have competition, all parties, all players in the economy or the global economy will be able to appreciate that, no, I don't have all the power. So now with, with, with BRICS, which I will say BRICS plus, because now they've invited new members. So it's a good idea, but I hope they will be able to do it. Because the thing about any currency is that it has to be a legal tender accepted by government and people. So, and if the, if, Bra if, if Brazil, Russia, India, you know, China and South Africa wants to come up with this new currency, they have to address the C and make sure that their currencies are not volatile because they have to like, and again, they have to come up with a name. So because it's a process, they have to come up with a name. For the, they have to adopt a name, uh, maybe like they can call it Brixo, you know, a name like Brixo, because that would be something that will include all of them, a name like Brixo. And then with that name, Brixo, once they adopt the name and they, they are sure that there will be no volatility, then they can look for a standard that they will use to like convert their own national currencies to the Brixo. So I think it's a good idea. It's going to lead to competition. And and that will be a situation whereby, you know, there will be no petrol dollar. People can, you know, transact business in other currencies, and, and which is good. It's good for the for the global village because the world is a global village, and competition is good for all of us. But I think they have to make sure that there is no volatility. They have to adopt a name for the currency because look at the euro. A name was adopted. They first adopted a name in 1995. So. After they adopted the name in 1995, so they started using the currency in 1999. But from 1996, it was like uh, electronic payment to 2002, where you had like changeover of all the currencies. And apart from that, there was like a scheme, an arrangement to convert the individual currencies to the euro. So there should be a standard. BRICS should not say that, okay, we want to have this currency. It's not something that you just wake up in a day and say that you want to have that currency. There must be a process. So a process steps in place 
after the adoption of the name, the first thing is to have a name adopted, and then they have to go through the steps, macroeconomic variables, and because this has to be a legal tender that people will accept. So by their members first, and by people transacting with them. Mr. Sebolela? Well, well my, my, view, my view is very simple. They, you know, the, I think the dilemma is that a dollar is a very dominant currency. There's no doubt about that. And the difficulty is that if you are countries and you are not uh, uh, going to have your own sovereignty and be treated as such in a manner that you you can unilaterally have certain positions without being pressurized by uh, the the company, sorry, by the country that is superior to the other country, it always creates a problem. I think you you would find that situation. Nobody want to find themselves in a messy of in a in a uh, in a messy of uh, another person. I think that's a normal way of living. And the dollar has has unfortunately become so dominant that countries such as uh, South Africa and and uh, and uh, trading with uh, Russia today, for example, what you see today. It becomes difficult. We need, as a country, for example, now we need uh, oil and gas resources. We can get good oil and gas resources from from Russia on the basis that we are in the, uh, in the BRICS uh, member council. But because it's under sanction, automatically South Africa cannot access the product because there's no currency available. So you can understand. So, so logically, is if we are going to be the world that is going to have a multi-currency and the consumers can choose on one they want to utilize, that makes life much easier for, for even competition much more better as opposed to be coerced to utilize a certain currency vis-a-vis the others. And I think we must just think about how we neutralize that position. And what role do you think will national currencies play in trade between its members? Hence, I'm saying if you have neutralized that position, then people can have choice. Customers can have choice. What they want to trade with. That's economics. You trade with what you think gives you bigger, better returns. That's logic. If, if, if rent is going to be better to, to utilize rent and trade with rent because we are in South Africa, then we must be able to use rent. But if you want to use dollar or you want to use rubble or you want to use yen, that's the choice. That's exactly what I'm saying. We're not killing our currencies, but there must be flexibility to have a uni- multiple universal currencies as opposed to one. Mr. Adekunle, help us out on this one. Yeah, so no, Thank you. Yeah. So I will just continue from where I stopped that, okay, now, okay, in terms of volatility, and then they have to adopt a name, uh, you know, Brixo. Once they adopt a name, they have to look for a way, because to make Brixo, let's assume that that's the name, strong, Brixo should be able to absorb all the, the member state, their currencies. But that notwithstanding, for example, the European Union is different from the Eurozone. There are 27 countries in the European Union, but not all of them spend Euro. But 20 
20, 20 of them spent euro. And that's a currency now that is all over the world accepted. And this was a currency that was that would say that was established, even though adopted in 1995, was established in 1999. And after the, the, the dollar, I think that's the second currency that people trade in globally. So if if BRICSO is going to work, I think all the five the the the, the five countries still absorb it as their currency. So, because look at the European Union, 27, 20 of them used the currency, and uh, it was first adopted by 11, but there are steps, that, and they need to do that too. After the adoption of the name, they have to look for steps. You know, steps, they have to put steps in place before, this, uh, because, before you know, countries will be allowed to convert their currencies to, to absorb. But all the countries, the five countries, need to adopt this currency as their currency. Because if they don't, and it's a separate currency, people will not have, current, will not have, will not have a confidence in the currency as a legal tender. If they adopt it, and the plus, the BRICS plus, the new uh, players, they don't necessarily need to adopt the currency now until later. But the five countries who are now pushing for this currency will all have to absorb, you know, and then this currency should will have to absorb their own national currency to make it strong, so that people will have confidence in the currency. So, and it requires a lot of preparation. It's not that you just wake up today and say you want to introduce this currency. You need a name. You need to put steps in place, and before now you launch the currency, and you have to first make it electronic. You first make it electronic for a few years before you now turn it to cash that people will start spending. And, and, and the most important thing is that there should also be a weight for conversion from the national currency to the, to, to the new currency, Brickstow. And then there should also, there, there should, uh, should also be a standard to convert the currency to other currencies in the world. So, and this takes time and a lot of macroeconomic and uh, expertise will be involved. Thanks. Thank you. And finally, how do you think will the development of the African continental free trade area help to reduce the dependence on the dollar and the CFA franc? I think there are two things. I mean, firstly, as a continent, we need then to start looking at um, a common currency uh, for the continent within the Africa Free Continental Agreement so that it then eases... um, um, uh, a tension where uh, our currencies they're not on the same level. So if the common currency for the continent, it then means that uh, we trade on an equal footing. And, and I think we just need then to have um, the central banks to be courageous in agreeing and developing a one common platform for, for payment system. That's one. Secondly, um, once we then have that um, one common currency for the continent, also we then we need then to say to the uh, BRICS or the broader uh, South, the, the global South, we need then to find a common currency for trade, and that's the reason why I'm now relying on the BRICS uh, currency to say we need then to forge ahead with uh, the BRICS currency uh, for the benefits of uh, trade within the BRICS uh, countries. 
so that it then becomes much easier in terms of that harmonization of uh, currency so that you're not relying on the dollar. And how difficult do you think will it be for the BRIC currency to become integrated into trade between African countries? I, I don't think there would be a difficulty because at the last summit um, here in Johannesburg, um, uh, the leaders, both the political leaders, the head of states and uh, the business people, they've agreed that um, in the next coming period, uh, during the chairmanship of Russia, we need them to look at uh, a common platform, a payment system within BRICS. So it then means uh, the balls in our court to finalize uh, that platform so that uh, it then becomes much easier, seamless, and uh, with the expeditious uh, process of finalizing the the payment system uh, within the BRICS countries. Mr. Adikunle, what's your take on this? Yeah, the, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement will allow a situation once it is established, and I hope, because there are a lot of challenges. You know, it's not... we Okay, now, if they have that and they make it workable, then they will be able to negotiate as a block. Once they are able to negotiate as a block, then they are in a position to start moving away from petrodollar or to start... Uh, because the problem is that most currencies in Africa are not convertible. You know, the only currency that is like convertible is the CEFA. And the CEFA is linked to French francs, which is obsolete. And then French francs linked to euro. So you say that to a large extent, the CEFA is linked to the euro. So we, we so as a block, if African countries want to like come up with a currency, uh, they, they have to be able to sit down and then work on their macroeconomic variables and other challenges that they have in terms of trade facilitation. And again, it's going to be, if they are going to come up with new ideas, they need a lot of planning. And currency development. So, for example, you will look at different blocks. ECOWAS was looking forward to develop a currency called the ECO. So, later, there was a problem between Francophone and Anglo- Anglophone countries. And then you had like ECO1 and ECO2. Up to today, you know, the common currency of, of West Africa has not come into lim- limelight. So, these are the challenges. Lack of understanding, sovereignty, you know, tussle between francophone and anglophone countries. So, and I gave you a typical example of ECOWAS, you know, a smaller space. Uh, they were unable to like develop the new currency because of other things going on. So, and even if they're able to develop the currency, what about acceptability? You know, where most of the currencies in the region, they are volatile, you know, they keep depreciating. So, so how do you rely on that? But hopefully, when they come together, and then not just coming together. In fact, before the African Continental Free Trade Agreement will work, the regional blocks needs to like do better, in, in, in because they have good ideas, but so far the implementation is a problem. And again, what are they going to do about convertibility? If they are able to develop a currency, if they are able to come together as a block. Will they be able to develop a currency that will be convertible? These are the challenges that you know, need to be addressed by people, policymakers, and experts 
on the continent of Africa. Thank you very much. Mr. Sebolele, what is your opinion on using alternative currencies to the dollar for trade? We must have an alternative currency that people can have a choice to utilize. It's also possible that people might want to choose a dollar because it's a performing currency, but the, the majority might also have a, an option. You know, think about this. If I have a Mercedes-Benz and a BMW, I can choose which one I want to buy based on the benefit. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's not it's not on the basis that I'm saying, why let's stop people buying BMW and use a Mercedes. Why, why would why would you want to do that? Let's, let's make sure that there's a competition, but people are not at the mercy of this because then they know if you don't use this currency, it means you can't trade. Let's advance a stage. And this is how you can see now current countries becoming to try and treat each other on an equal footing because there's nobody who's suppressing the other by virtue of saying, I've got this, you don't have this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so I'm saying let's create the world that the, the, the euro, the dollar, the... BRICS currency and there's, uh, other currencies can be given the opportunity to compete on an equal footing without really using it as an instrument of oppression. That's basically what I'm saying. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me on AfroVerdict today. It was a very engaging and interesting discussion for me, definitely. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Okay, no, thanks uh, very much for the interview. Thank you very much. Thank you to our guests for joining us on today's episode of Afro Verdict. Now, despite certain difficulties that result in a shortage of awareness about the AFCFTA, governments can make use of social media and workshops to improve understanding and thus implementation of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Let's hope that the people of Africa ultimately reap the benefits of this agreement for the sake of the prosperity of the continent. Dear listeners, don't forget that you can always listen to the Afroverdict podcast on platforms such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cards, Deezer, Castbox, Podcast Addict, as well as Afripods. Check out our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account and other socials to always stay up to date on local and global events. If you're tired of scrolling through our Sputnik Africa webpage, do yourself a favor and download the Sputnik Africa application to stay on top of the most recent developments. That's that for today, dear friends, and I'll see you next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.